I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Well, good evening, everyone. It is so nice to see new faces to see all these familiar faces, Sue, Vanessa, oh, so many um, lovely, lovely smiles. Uh, it's great to be here uh, with you again this Thursday. For those who missed uh, the first workshop, we, we actually focused on self-care. And this week we have the negotiation expert, Kwame Christian here uh, with the big, beautiful smile. Um, to focus on conflict resolution in quarantine. Uh, for those who don't know, I want to give Kwame a bit of an introduction. I mean, it could take half of the show if I really wanted to go through his entire bio, okay? Um, but Kwame 
is the founder and director of the American Negotiation Institute. He travels the world uh, uh, talking about conflict, re conflict resolution and negotiation. He has the number one podcast in the world. Did I say that twice now? So he travels the world. <laughs> the number one negotiation podcast in the world, no? <laughs> yes? Yes. Yeah. Over a million downloads. Just saying. Um, over 180 countries are listening to Kwame. Uh, that's how I discover, discovered Kwame, actually. So uh, I wanted to beef up my negotiation skills. Um, I found that I struggled with advocating for myself when it came to salary, promotion, that type of thing. And so I started, you know, just kind of stumbled onto Kwame's uh, podcast. And then um, at one point, he decided to offer his listeners a free 30-minute consultation. And I signed up. And he really does give you the half hour. And he really does care. And lo and behold, I think that was at least three years ago, Kwame, mm -hmm. that happened. And here we are now collaborating on this, um, this special event for you in these very special times. So um, he's, he's, he's an amazing person in addition to what he does as an expert in this, in this arena. Um, he's also an author, TED Talk speaker. Again, I could go on. So he is an authority on, on the topic. So welcome, Kwame. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's, uh, it's nice to be in New York again and other places. <laughs> yes. Well. Um, so great. Yeah, for, just for, for some fun here. Can, can people put in the chat where they're uh, tuning in from? See where where we are. I know we have at least one Columbus uh, representative uh, representative here with Buffy. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Oh, we got California in the house. Brooklyn rep definitely representing. BK to the fullest. Okay. <laughs> nice. No Columbus yet though. OTO. I love it. Hey, nice. Indiana. Nice Midwest. Close enough. Yeah. <laughs> we'll take it. We'll take it. All right. So we're going to dive right in. So conflict resolution in quarantine. Um, it's actually a, a, a reality that now that, um, you know, the world's gone on pause, uh, we're home, we're self-quarantining, uh, some of us alone, but many of us with siblings, with spouses, with kids, and um, they're actually saying that domestic violence actually even has gone up 30% since all of this has begun taking place. We'll, we'll go to the next slide, um, Larry. So, you know, what we're doing here, again, is really in response to what's happening um, in these unprecedented times, right? Now we're, so many things have been stripped away, and we're, we're in each other's spaces now almost 24-7. And so there's a lot of dynamics that are at play, right? Especially family dynamics. And now there's new norms in the workplace as well, right? So um, that's why we felt it was important to do this show. This was really in response to um, feedback that Kwame was also getting on his own podcast, right? Around this. Um, so my first question to you, Kwame, and I'm, I'm probably going to throw this out to the audience as well. You know, what does, what does it mean to set healthy boundaries? 
Well, I think first of all, it has to start with self-awareness. When it comes to mental health in general, difficult conversations in particular, self-awareness is, is usually where we need to start. That's the key to emotional intelligence. And so we need to be honest with ourselves and, and recognize what it is that we need when it comes to boundaries. Because a lot of times there's gonna be a difference between what we need, uh, what we can actually have, and then what our roles might require or what society might say that we need to be doing, right? And so I know uh, sometimes for me, for example, there is a there is a, an antagonistic relationship between the, the various roles that I have to play. And so I'm, yes, I'm a business person, of course, but then I'm also a husband at the same time and a father at the same time and a apparently now a school teacher. <laughs> <laughs> so that makes it's tough and, and uh, four-year-olds don't really do well with boundaries, right? Um, mm -hmm. I think, first of all, we need to recognize the roles that we have to play at this time and how those might compete and then recognize our needs, our, our needs as far as it relates to work-related needs and then what we need just emotionally, spiritually, mm -hmm. uh, to make psychological health. And then once we get clear to ourselves, and real with ourselves about that, then we can articulate that to the other person. If we don't have that clarity with ourselves, then we're going to struggle when it comes to setting boundaries. So a lot of times the issue with negotiation is that we focus on the external negotiation and not the internal negotiation. And so we have to have that conversation with ourselves before we start setting those expectations externally. That's powerful what you just said there, because you're not just negotiating with somebody else, you're also negotiating with yourself. And one thing I'll say, when do we tend to start, when do we tend to decide to set boundaries? <laughs> Normally when it's too late, right? When the emotions are high and you're saying, you know, if they do that one more time, it's like when it's the, the when the straw's about to break the camel's back, that's when we decide we're going to set boundaries. But then how does that normally go? Right? Really? Right? So it's like taking that time to negotiate with yourself, processing those emotions first before you just, I guess, demand versus asking yeah. someone to respect boundaries. And, and think about that time when we get to that explosive point. It's not, it's not even really voluntary. It's, it's one of those things that kind of just happens and it's all, almost an out-of-body experience. Whoa, did I just say that? Wish I could take that back. Oh, I can't take that back? Well, this is new reality. Um, and so we have to find ways to make sure that we're letting the pressure escape in, in, um, in, in ways that are healthy, both for you and for the people around you. So we have, again, we have to be mindful of, of our, our emotional status and what we need first and then we can mm -hmm. avoid those types of situations yeah so i heard first you have to identify your needs you have, you've got to understand what your needs are first you need to be clear because then how can you articulate it to that other person exactly love it okay so i think we've hit one and two what does it mean to set boundaries why is it important right one it's teaching people how to treat you right um that's very important um, being clear on what your values are so that you know that you're saying yes or no to the things that really align, right, with your goals, dreams, values, etc. Um, wow, we dove in quick. 
this is just the first this is just the first slide but we're gonna we're gonna tackle all of these things that you see here today these are our objectives you know we're gonna leave you with tips on setting boundaries we're gonna look at the home and the workplace you know and giving you strategies for con conflict resolution and then we're also gonna have some resources for you by the end of this slide Okay, I just get so excited when Kwame's on, um, when, I, when I talk to Kwame. So we dove in pretty quickly. We'll go to the next slide. Um, so yes, this is our goal, right? We're gonna leave you with some strategies for setting boundaries at home and in the workplace. You're gonna gain some tools. Uh, we're actually gonna have some role play, which is gonna be really exciting, you know, so you can actually practice, put some of these things into practice, right? Because that's the best way to learn something is by doing. And again, you're gonna have some resources um, to take with you. Um, I have a beautiful quote here as, as we go into this next slide, Larry, um, of what, you know, um, setting boundaries means. And this is from Brené Brown. And she said, daring to set boundaries is about having the courage to love yourself enough, even when we risk disappointing others. Because there's that, there's that whole dynamic too, right? Um, that when you start creating a new you and what you will or will not except there's going to be a re reaction from those around you, right? So that's going to be interesting as we go along. So what does it mean to set healthy boundaries? We talked about that already a little bit, and why do we need to? Next slide, uh, Larry. We talked about relationships already, right, um, Kwame? It will guide how we approach our relationships. So I know, for example, um, as a, as a kid, you know, I was the one that always wanted to make sure everybody was happy. You know, I was the one that didn't want, you know, to ruffle any feathers. I was the people pleaser, you know? Um, and that definitely, I, I can see, stayed with me as an adult, you know? So in certain relationships, I find in my, you know, more personal relationships, I can be that person <clears throat> that tends to always be pouring into the other person not making sure my needs are met. And you can feel it. You tend to feel depleted. You tend not to feel heard, right? Um, so it does affect how we go into relationships if we're not being clear on what our boundaries are. You know, you may tolerate more, you know, whether um, you're not being treated well. Um, it can go as extreme as, you know, if it's even abusive, you know, if we're, if we're allowing too much because we don't have boundaries set, right? Um, we talked about, you know, being in alignment if, with our goals and dreams and desires, teaching people how to treat us. But this is another big one too. It's learning how to say no. That's another important reason why we need to learn to set boundaries, right? Absolutely. And yeah, I think that's, that's one of the hardest things because we always feel like the relationship is at risk when, uh, when we're saying no, especially again, I'm a recovering people pleaser too. And uh, that there's always a fear that's associated with that, but there, there are ways that you can get around it and have the conversation in a way that could actually strengthen the relationship through the process, even though you're, you're setting firm boundaries. And um there is something I, I will say between having a hard no and a soft no, right? So the harder no is even harder because that's, that's finite, right? That's just no thank you or I have plans, uh, I won't be able to make it, you know, and that 
guilt can quickly set in, that feeling for, of obligation could set in, then you feel, you know, you feel bad because you said no, that's the harder one, right? And then there's the softer no that might say, well, you know what, maybe I can't do that right now, but call me back maybe in an hour, you know, just kind of a little softer. There's still room for a yes, possibly. That one is a little mushier. You might, it might be a little easier to do that one, but that hard no, that takes practice. Right. And I think one of the things to remember is that when we think about no, and no is, is associated with the negative, right? Mm -hmm. And why are we saying no to something? Just, and that's something that we, we don't really think about. What, what's leading us to say no? The reason we're saying no is because we're saying yes to something else. Yes. Right? And so the thing is, we, we focus so much on the fact that we might be rejecting somebody, but really, we are, there's positivity behind the no. And um, book reference, uh, William Urey, Power of a Positive No, really strong book because um, he, he lays out a, a framework that you can use to say no um, and you can use it in all types of situations. That's, that's really, really powerful. Um, do you want me to get into that now or you want me to? Well, you can touch on it if you like. Sure. Okay. So I, I call it the no sandwich technique. So what you do is you start with a yes and then you have a no and then a yes. And so the first yes is to the thing that's leading you to say no. So for example, if you think you're going to lose your mind, if you spend one more minute <laughs> with your four-year-old, <laughs> I might be talking to myself. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we like it to be re you know, you know, as real as possible. So bring it. <laughs> so I'll just give an example for me. I, I'll say, hey, Whitney, right now I'm, I'm feeling a lot of pressure. I'm feeling like I, I just need a minute to myself. So because of that, I, I can't watch Kai for the next 30 minutes. But after 30 minutes, let's have a conversation and we can see where we're at. And so the first, the first yes is to the thing that's leading you to say no. In this case, it's, it's mental health. It's taking that break. It's relaxing. And then it's a very short no. It's important to have a short no because the longer the no becomes, the more negotiable the person thinks it is. Ah. So, fortunately, I have to say no, but then the last yes is a yes to the relationship. It's a yes to the continuation of the negotiation. You're very clearly letting the person know that I'm not saying no to you, I'm saying no to the substantive request, but I want to continue this conversation and continue working with you and continue having the relationship so the, the no becomes a lot more palatable because you've clearly explained it and it's a simple framework you can use over and over again. Mm, I hope everyone's taking notes on that one. So it was the no sandwich. And, and Dion, we got, a, we got a request from the chat. If uh, Kwame, if you want to put the, the name of that book you had mentioned yeah, in the absolutely. chat, we'll be curious. Thank you for that. Yeah, because at the end of the day, um, as, you, as I think you've mentioned, I think it was in your TED Talk, that especially as the relationships become closer, that's where you feel you have more to lose. There's more at risk. So that's when people tend to not speak up. That's where the fear tends to creep in more when the, the relationship is closer versus an acquaintance where there's a lot less, uh, or a stranger, a lot less you know, at risk. Right, right. And I think it, it depends a lot on, on the person. Because for me, that's the way it is. If it's a business negotiation, a mediation, I've done hundreds of those, we get the deal, 
okay, we don't get the deal. That's all good. Um, I got paid either way. <laughs> <You know? laughs> the lawyer is like, okay, I, I, it's fine with me. Um, but even in my business deals, I, now as a, as a speaker and doing the negotiation trainings and coaching, um, not everybody decides to move forward with me. That's okay. Because mm -hmm. if they decide not to move forward with me, most likely I'm not going to have to go home and hang out with them for the next 12 hours. So for me, when it comes to an interpersonal relationship, especially with, with Whitney and family, um, the, the thing that makes it so difficult is because is the fact that there's, there's no escape a lot of times. It's like, oh man, I'm going home um, and then I'm going to have to be with you for the rest of the week, maybe even my life. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of scary at times. And so that may, may make people um, hold back. But then there are other people who, who approach it differently. Other people might take the relationship for granted. Other people might say, hey, we're married, so I'm going to let my form in these difficult conversations become sloppy. And so the same respect and dignity that I'll treat other people with in the business world, I'm going to come home and I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to respect you. We're married. Where are you going to go? Right? right? And then that leads to other problems. So again, that's why it's so important to start with self-awareness. We have to figure out how it is that we personally appear in these conversations. We're all going to have different performance gaps that are going to come from different areas, personality, um, childhood, all of those things. So we have to get real with ourselves and recognize how we perform in which situations, recognize those patterns both for ourselves and for other people, and then make adjustments from there. And what I heard in that as well is um, when you look at it that way, then you come with less judgment. So when you are coming to, um, you know, share what your needs are and are, you know, basically communicating what, what you need in terms of your boundaries, you're coming with less, less about it being, a, you're not coming, a, it's, you're not coming with it being about them. At right. the end of the day, it's really about you and what your needs are and not what they should be doing and how come you're not doing what I need. So it becomes, yeah. they'll, they'll be more responsive if you're coming from a, a place of love and grace for yourself versus judgment towards them. If you really want to get the best results. Absolutely. And from, I think one of my favorite sections in, in my book is um, the benefits of the benefit of the doubt. And yeah. Uh, a lot of times we think, oh, I'm not going to give them the benefit of the doubt because I'm letting them off the hook. But for me, the way I look at it, I give them the benefit of the doubt because that helps my performance. Because if I think you're doing uh, what you're doing and saying what you're doing out of nefarious uh, reasons, um, now, now I'm heated and my performance goes down because I'm not thinking as clearly. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to identifying intent, it's incredibly difficult. It's incredibly difficult in other people and think about it, it's difficult for ourselves because yeah. we've, we've all set New Year's resolutions. We've all failed in New Year's resolutions. Were we lying at that time or were we trying our best but we didn't perform? Right. And so in, in our interpersonal relationships, we need to give other people that same amount of grace. And so instead of focusing on their behavior and judging them for the way that they did things, the way that I think about it is regardless of what's happening, this person is doing the best they can under these circumstances. It may or may not be true. But maybe because of the way they've been trained or the, their fears and emotional difficulties they're having with this conversation, yelling is the best they can do. They can't control it themselves. They're trying, but they can't. Okay, mm -hmm. now I approach this with a little bit more compassion. And so what I focus on is not the intent behind the action, but the impact that the action has had on me. Because you can't take that away. 
you can't say that what I did didn't make you sad. I can't, I can't take that away. And mm-hmm. so it makes it more difficult for people to counter. But then if you take the other approach and you say, you did this because you felt X, Y, Z, okay, now we're going to have a, a, a pointless argument about how that person felt and their intent. Right. Who knows? Who cares? Let's focus on what it is we want them to change and the impact it has on us. And it'll be a lot more productive uh, of a dialogue. Awesome. Thank you for that. Um, wow. The, the last point, uh, when we, you know, set boundaries, why it's so important is because we become, as Kwame just said, less concerned about how we're viewed, but how we view ourselves. We become more satisfied with how we view ourselves. So when you're less concerned externally about what other people will think if they're going to judge, if they're going to ridicule because you're asking for what you need, when you're less concerned about that and more about, more about how you feel and how you view yourself, that's when you're, you're free, right? Exactly. That's when you truly feel freedom to just be, right? Who you are. Next slide, Larry. So here are some tips for creating um, some healthy boundaries. I'd love to hear from you first, Kwame. You know, um, what are your maybe top three things, whether it's home and work, um, when it comes to setting boundaries? Wow. First of all, this list is fantastic. Now I feel all inadequate. How can I? Oh, stop it. (laughs) I'm just trying to keep up with you. (laughs) No, this is great. And I think number one is most important. We have to value ourselves and and our time. But also, again, digging beneath the surface, self-awareness, introspection, we need to figure out what's making us devalue ourselves and our time. That's what's making it difficult for us to stand up for ourselves and and set these boundaries. Again, different for different people. Sometimes it's because of the expectations you had for yourself in terms of performance. So for instance, um, for me, I have, I, I'm very, very, very competitive. Um, and so sometimes I have unrealistic expectations. And so I'm going to be the person who's violating my own boundaries, my own needs, because I'm pushing myself too hard. Um, sometimes other people have unrealistic expectations for you. And so again, you might feel pressured by them and you might feel inadequate because you're not living up to their standards and so you're going to devalue your time and and in in that in that regard too so whatever it is for for you you again you have to take some time and figure it out but you need to find that that self-worth and start valuing yourself because if you don't think something is valuable then you're not going to protect it wow i think you hit the nail right there uh when you said self-worth i think it that's such um such the crux of it, I believe, you know, when you don't value, you know, when you don't, there, there isn't a self-love and a, and a value for yourself, that that's when you tend to allow a lot more than you normally or you typically would, right? Um, so that's, that's very powerful. And you can, um, what can I say? When, when your self-worth is low or you're, you have a, a low self-esteem, um, you can kind of see, you know, the way people are, um, I guess, either disrespect, like what you're willing to, in terms of disrespect, the level of disrespect you, you, um, you um, are willing to tolerate, um, the, uh, 
you know, you, you, I find you tend to overshare a lot of the times where then people end up using it, you know, to their advantage. Um, so yeah, there's sometimes there's, there you can, there's certain signs when you need to kind of just maybe relook at, you know, how you see yourself. Um, I think what you're saying is so key, so key in terms of just taking time to meditate on, I guess, even the relationships that are working, the ones that aren't working and, um, and I guess figuring out your why at the same time, you know, why do these, why do these things hurt me or why do I let certain things slide, you know, to really get to the, to the meat before you just start setting boundaries because you got to really know why. Exactly. And, and, and let's look at the flip side of number one too, because sometimes you do value yourself and you do value your time, but you're still not having the outcomes that you want in these difficult conversations. So what is it? What's the problem? Mm -hmm. Then we, we transition to, to a skills issue, right? It might be a skills issue and it might be the blend between confidence and those skills. Because first of all, you have to have confidence to, to take action. Um, and you get more confidence the more you more competent you become in the skills to have the conversation. And so sometimes you value yourself and your time. And then when somebody starts to encroach on those things that you care about, then you blow up on them. So you're protecting yourself. You're just not protecting yourself in the best way. And the relationship takes a hit as well. So again, it's going to be different for different people. So you have to recognize what your personal performance gap is going to be. Mm -hmm. Because then if you realize that, then you can actually start um, working on it. Whether it's being prepared ahead of time, you know, when you, you know, and I guess we'll go to that, uh, I guess when you're clear on what your triggers are, right? As you just said, number three, you, you really get an understanding of what your triggers are. Okay. Now that I know that, then how do I want to respond? Cause I learned something this week. There's a difference between just, there's a difference between reacting and responding because responding is much more thoughtful it's much more you know thought out it's more you know what i mean more analyzed before you before you just react to something which tends to be more emotional knee jerk right so i would think that once you know your triggers you take time to now uh, i would say write it out or you know get a sense of what are the things that i cannot tolerate and how do i want to respond to them actually have the words ready so that way you're prepared for those situations when they do arise. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. What would be your number, I guess your number two? Um, my number two, other than valuing yourself and your time as it relates to, let me pull this down so I can see tips for creating boundaries. Again, I, we have to get to the skills too, right? Mm -hmm. You have to understand that these, this is a skill, not a talent. It's very few people who are just born with it. And those people who are born with it, they're, they're capped unless they practice as well, right? Um, what's the, the saying about um, hard work beats talent that doesn't work hard or something to that effect? I mean, it's, a, uh, it's the same thing that applies here when it comes to skills-based uh, improvement in difficult conversations. Mm -hmm. And so we have to take the time to, to learn more about the actual skills and techniques and strategies that we can use. And there are some great free resources. My podcast is one, Negotiate Anything. We also have um, uh, ask with confidence, which is all about women in negotiation and, and understanding gender dynamics, which is really important. But there are a lot of easy, free ways to to improve these skills. Um, we also have the the negotiation guides on on the website. Um, I'll put it in the uh, in the link 
uh, for people. But preparation is a big part of it. That's why we, we have the guides on the website. So you could actually map out the conflict before you have the conversation. Um, we don't just go into the, the conversation freestyling. You know, that, that's, that's... We don't? I thought you were just... <laughs> well, oh, fun, fun fact. This might people think it's funny. Uh, but I didn't realize that with, like, I thought freestyle rappers, I thought they just did everything just completely off, off the dome. I didn't, I didn't know they had, like, prepared lines. I was like, how, in, how are they doing this? Oh, again, they practiced. Imagine <laughs> that, <laughs> right? How do they know what to do and what to say in this moment? Ah, oh, yeah, they practiced the lines. And so we have to do the same thing in our conversations, too. So practice, practice, practice. Thank you. So I think, I think we hit all of these, right? I think we really did. Um, and the last one, when I, when I put that one down, coping strategies, I think that really comes into play when, yes, you may actually have the difficult conversation, as you would say, with that family member, for example, about why, you know, you know, I feel like you keep leaving the dishes in the sink and I'm the one always washing them. So I would really appreciate it if you could, you know, um, do the dishes at least three nights a week. And then next week comes and they do it again. So at some point you've got to figure out, okay, so when it happens again, how am I going to respond? Um, uh, or uh, is it by, you know, leaving them a note? Is it, uh, you know, just what are you going to do in that situation the next time? Because it, it's, and it's reminding them, I guess, because, I mean, if they've been doing this for a long time, it's not to say because you tell them once, they're just going to jump to it and be on point and you will never have to say it again. <laughs> yeah. So you've got to figure out, okay, the next time it happens, how am I going to respond? Are there going to be consequences? Um, what, what do you have for the people around that? Because we know how it is. Family members, if they've been talking to you a certain way for your entire life, your mom's always talked to you a certain way, and now you're going to tell her, mom, you know what? It hurts me when you talk down to me. Or it, you know, it really bothers me when you're constantly asking me, when am I going to get married? Or whatever the thing may be. And you tell them, this is the boundary, I, you know, I, this, this conversation makes me feel uncomfortable. I would, you know, I would rather just not, you know, talk about that. And she does it again the next day. What would you give the people around how to, in terms of coping, you know, strategies or, you know, consequences? Yeah. Well, let me tell you. Uh, repeat offenders. <laughs> well, let me tell you as one repeat offender, sometimes <laughs> the mindset. So let me just tell you, first of all, the way that I, I grew up. So I had, it was me, my mom, my dad, my brother, three men, one woman. When mm. I, I go to law, to, to um, undergrad and, and then I'm in a dorm with a bunch of guys and then I have a roommate. He's a guy too. And then I get married. Is the seat up or down? <laughs> and so we, she's in trouble no i'm just kidding <laughs> and now i have a son now whitney's outnumbered and so, a lot of times when we have these conversations she's like can you please put the seat down i'm like well it's more convenient for me <laughs> okay but he's like no please it's gross please do this and um a lot of times she takes it as an act of aggression but let's let's take it let's take a moment and look at it psychologically so when you think about a habit 
a habit is is not just something that we we do repeatedly we think about it just surface level we do it repeatedly what's happening in the brain and so there is a um, there's a part of the brain where habits are formed it's different from other parts of the brain where you can actually create memories it's a diff different deeper type of memory and so it just to show how deep and different it is if somebody has dementia they will just tacitly remember the habits that they have they won't be able to articulate them but they're still there and then they can still learn new things on that on that deep memory type level so if you give somebody with dementia who has no ability to create new skills but you give them to, to remember things but you give them different tasks they'll be able to get better at the task then you ask them have you ever done this before the answer would be no even though they have and they've improved so we're talking about something very 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 deep so bringing it back to the example that you gave, mom, please stop asking me about when I'm going to get married. Okay, great. So we have about 30 years <laughs> of hab habitual uh, approaches to conversations. So that's not going to change overnight. That it, it psychologically is impossible for it to change overnight. And so part of that, uh, that negotiation needs to be for setting new expectations for the way that we interact. And so it's going to be saying, hey, I'm not nagging you, but I'm, I've clearly stated this boundary and I'm going to help you to remember because you won't. And a lot of times the issues that people have when it comes to engaging in the, this, these problematic um, patterns of behavior is that they're just habitual. They happen automatically. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like they're thinking through and, uh, and, and do this intentionally to hurt you. They weren't thinking. And then it just happened naturally. So then you say, listen, for, for the foreseeable future, until we, we can get to a place where we're interacting in a way that works for both of us, I'm going to remind you of, of that gently, but mm -hmm. I will remind you. And most likely the person's going to say, oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry. Sorry. I'm, I'm trying. I didn't, I didn't think about it. But you have to give them a little bit of grace. Because if you approach it too aggressively, then if you approach somebody too aggressively, then they might feel obligated to defend their honor. And now you have an argument where you don't need to have one. Wow. Thank you for that. So again, going back to just giving some grace, you know, coming from a place of love um and understanding while you're in this process because it is a process like you said it's not overnight um some and just so you know i mean if someone's been doing something for a long time um and now you are presenting uh this new you these new boundaries uh some may accept i highly doubt if mom's been doing that for 30 years that she's just going to go with the go with the plan so sometimes you people may say uh you know they may ridicule you they might just you know laugh at this new thing you're trying to implement um you know some might you you know uh, call you selfish might go as far as saying you know normally when i call you're always available how come you're not available you know you're so selfish right so you may get all kinds of things thrown at you because they're not used to they're used to treating you a certain way you know or getting you know just being able to do certain things a certain way so um i guess in terms of a coping strategy there kwame because that's where people might tend to revert back to the way things were and let their boundaries down again because it's not easy no one's saying this is easy and it's it's going to take work um but if you know your why, first of all, you can stand in that. Um, but you are you you may get some resistance, and 
But if you go back to the way things were, then what are you saying to the person that has been getting away with it all this time? That it's okay. You're basically giving them a mixed message and then actually saying it's okay at the end of the day. Um, so wasn't sure if you had one little tip before we, we move on when, when it, you know, you might be getting a bit of that pushback when you first try to set boundaries. Yeah, I think one of the things that we run into is that we underestimate the amount of resistance we're going to face. Mm. Then when it's more than we thought, then we give up. Mm. And so consistency is key. I see Vanessa say patience is key. That's huge. Just assume it's going to take way longer than than you think it will uh, mm -hmm. to get through. That's one thing. And this is something that I should have mentioned earlier, but there's a process that we can actually use for every difficult conversation, whether it's at work or at home. I call it the compassionate curiosity framework. Talk yeah, about we're going to get into that. And the, um, and the book, but um, do you want me to hit those three points now or, or, or save it for a little let's, bit later? Let's see. So next slide, Larry. Let's see where we are. So actually, yeah, we're about to go into these, to these um, scenarios now. So this would, be a, this would be a great time to go into um, uh, the compassion, uh, curiosity, compassion framework. Next slide, Larry. Here we yeah. are. <laughs> <laughs> and for those, for those who don't know, I'm just going to reiterate. So Kwame wrote um, a, a best-selling book on Amazon that you can get on Amazon um, called Nobody Will Play With Me. And that's where you really dive into this concept of the compassion curiosity framework. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And the thing is with this, I, I wanted to get people to, to, to have a, a skill, like an actual framework that they can use in all situations. Because a lot of times we can, it's easy to get overwhelmed in these situations and caught off guard. So I want something that you can use even if you're not at your best. It's really easy. So step one, acknowledge emotions. Step two, get curious with compassion. And step three, joint problem solving. And so the cool thing about this is that it's flexible. Anytime you see the specter of a negative emotion, then we want to hit that, acknowledge the emotions. And we're going to use terms like it sounds like or it seems like. Those are the, the go-to um, terms that we're, that we're going to use. So let's use the example of um, a, one of your family members consistently bringing up things that you don't want to hear about. Um, this is something I dealt with, uh, with with my mom. She's always sending news articles about doom and gloom. I was like, man, I was having a good day. <laughs> <laughs> now I, happy bubble. Mm -hmm. Now that somebody I did not know died, and now I'm sad. Um, you know that? I, I'm going through the exact same thing with my mother. She watches her CNN all day long, so I know the exact number of people, sadly, who have passed away in New York State in real time. So yes, I can understand completely. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so when we acknowledge the emotion, there, you have to recognize most of the time behind these problematic behaviors, there's going to be an emotion. And so we can use that example and we could just say, hey, mom, I, I can tell this really bothers you. It seems like this is, is really important to you. And I, I recognize that. Um, so what is it that you're trying to accomplish? Now you see how we're tra transitioning to getting curious with compassion. And so we don't just want to say get curious because we could say what what the hell's wrong with you why are you sending me this stuff right i mean that's it's curious i guess <laughs> yeah but uh, not quite the reaction you're gonna you're exactly. gonna want <laughs> on the other side we recognize we have to moderate our tone so mm -hmm. i have asked people to uh to envision somebody who is compassionate who comes to mind 
and then ask yourself what would that person sound like if they were in this conversation asking an open-ended question ah okay so take yourself out of it exactly mm -hmm. because focus on ourselves and we were too close to the problem we're going to have that that emotional response and people are going to hear it in our tone even if the words that we say are are, are right you know and so people are going to then get emotional again it's like hey Kwame I heard that tone stop yelling at me and I'll say I wasn't yelling my the decibel level didn't go up you know then then we have an argument about what yelling is <laughs> So we want to make sure that after we get through that emo acknowledging the emotion and they start to calm down, our tone doesn't change and we get frustrated and make them go back to that emotional state. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, joint problem solving. Uh, this is where you can state your boundary and then say, uh, figure it out. And you, you can say, okay, well, thank you for sharing that information after you ask those questions. And you can say, the, the problem is, uh, the problem is, is a great transition phrase better than but or however mm -hmm. because but and however those are seen as the the great eraser yes the nice thing that you said they're like okay Kwame's well, about to drop the hammer let me ignore all that mm -hmm. and so we're going to transition with the problem is that for me when I hear these things it, it makes me incredibly sad and it makes it more difficult for me to function because my my mood has been brought down so what do you think we can do to make sure that you still feel heard but i'm not emotionally affected in this way and so then you're you're inviting them to share what it is that they need you're sharing what you need and then you're trying to collaboratively create a solution that works for both parties wow you're so good at that that sounded just like music just an orchestra of collaboration and honor of both you what your needs are and theirs that was beautiful uh thank you for that um, I'm just going to pause here for a moment and just check in with um, the attend, you know, with the audience, and see, you know, are there any questions at this moment? Because be after this, we're going to get into some role play. Um, so, would love to hear if you have any uh, questions right now for Kwame, because you're actually going to put these into practice. Uh, all of what we've talked about and and the compassion curiosity framework so um, did anybody have any questions uh, Larry will uh, unmute you if you'd like to ask some questions directly you can raise your hand on the um, chat box Rachel raise your hand oh wow man it's almost seven o'clock time flies when you're having fun how is that possible I know yeah, but Rachel raised her hand. That flew. So Rachel had a question. Can you unmute Rachel, um, Larry? Hi. Uh, good evening, Kwame. So I have a question. I guess as a wife and as a as a as a mother, um, given all of your experience with negotiating, do you find that um, your wife will say like, "Don't use that stuff on me. Don't negotiate." You know, do you, does it impact your personal relationship, even though these are good tools um, that, that work? Do you get resistance in that area because of that? Surprisingly, no. And um, I think the reason is because good negotiators want to negotiate with good negotiators, just okay. in general, right? I think about negotiation like a dance. And so you're going to be limited by the skills of your dance partner. 
And so if you're an expert dance part, a dancer, and, and I'm, I'm really bad, uh, which I am, uh, you know, sorry, I'm West Indian blood. It didn't go you to me. You do have a flaw. Oh, my gosh. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Buffy does that dance lessons. That's why I get dance lessons with Buffy. But, um, but yeah, so in, in that situation, it gets sloppy if somebody's not good. But if both people are good and they know what to do, then the conversation is elevated. So Whitney is really familiar with these techniques. And I think if you do it the right way, it's a, it's a sign of respect. Because if you, you think about the, the strategies that we're using here, I'm, I'm completely okay <laughs> with opening up my, my tool, my, my strategy box. I mean, think about it. So I'm a practicing lawyer. I have this podcast where I give all of my tactics. Some people know what's coming. Um, but the thing is, psychology still works and you approach it in a way where it's persuasive, not manipulative, and, and people can appreciate that. And I think a major part of this is giving the other person space to have the conversation because you're not just assert, you're not just dominating the conversation. You're inviting them to participate as well. And okay. so uh, people really appreciate it. So it's, it's not just a framework that you want to keep to yourself as a secret weapon. I would share it because it'll make your partner more comfortable engaging in a way that's more productive for both of you. Thank you for that. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Any other questions? And I didn't realize the time. Wow. So I don't know if we have time for the role play. Um, well, something we could do uh -huh. is um, we could kind of turn it into a, a bit of a call-in show type of thing where it's like, uh, hey, I have this particular problem. What would you do in this situation? Yeah, I was thinking we could shift. So I, I like that. So uh, anyone who has a current situation right now, we have Kwame here um, in real time who's willing to give you that. Oh, looks like Kendall. Kendall may have something for us. Can anyone who has a question raise their hand? I, I, Sean has his hand raised. I'm not sure if you, uh, you want to, we can, we can get Sean up too, but. <laughs> Hello? Oh, overbearing in-laws. That's what it is. We'll come to you. We'll come to you, Kendall. Can we unmute Kendall? And then we'll do you, Sean? Sure, no problem. Okay, Kendall should be unmuted. Kendall? Hello? Hi, Kendall. Welcome. Hi. No, just um, situations where you didn't set up boundaries and now you want with in-laws. Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> that's tough. Um, little aside, I've been watching Bla Blackish, <laughs> but I don't have those in-law problems. <laughs> but um, yeah, so here's the thing. And um, this is something that I've done too, because remember I'm developing as a, as a recovering people pleaser. So I've had to come back with some relationships and, and check some friends and family members with love, of course. <laughs> um, but you have to recognize that it's, we have to take responsibility for our actions and our inactions. And so what I would do is I'd say, is start with an apology. And I'd just say, have that conversation and say, listen, first of all, I want to apologize to you because what I'm going to say to you might come as a shock because I've done a poor job of stating my needs and setting boundaries. And I love that. Yeah. 
because now they can't they can't, they can't really take it as an uh, like as an affront like oh you're changing the game it's like yeah i know my bad <laughs> we've already we've, we've been through that okay so this is what it is and so again focus on the impact and you can acknowledging emotions remember you're not just acknowledging positive emo negative emotions you're also acknowledging positive emotions because sometimes somebody does something that they think is in your best interest but it has a negative impact on you and if we have if we start from a negative perspective then the person feels offended so think about the example of your uh, like a mother saying why aren't you married yet or something like that why is she saying that it's not necessarily to to tear you down or at least giving the, her, her the benefit of the doubt we're going to assume that it's not it's most likely because she loves you and she thinks that's the best path to happiness so you acknowledge that emotion so for your in-laws it might be i know you care about my my children and um that's why you you do xyz because you love them and i love them too and we both want, want what's best for them the problem is that it has xyz impact and then you just transition and so then you start going into joint problem solving so you say listen um or compassion getting curious with compassion so what are some ways that i can make you still feel valued while still respecting this boundary and so you're inviting them into the process of of changing the relationship and so just just changing that approach and but just starting off by by saying listen this is on me i'm sorry and this is going to sound weird, letting people know that it's probably going to be an awkward conversation and then taking that responsibility, it, it makes it harder for them to attack from that position. I like that. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Very nice. Sean, Linda, next. Then we have Buffy. First of all, you guys can hear me? Can you hear me okay? Yes. Uh, Kwame and Dion and Larry yourself, amazing job, really informative class. I enjoyed it you know, mm -hmm. listening to it. Ew. And my thing is, my question for you guys is, you know, what do you do with the person that's like Mr. Mr. or Mrs. Debbie Downer, Mr. Condescending, always negative. You're trying to be that positive person, but for every positive thing you, you say, they have like 10 negative rebuttals. Like mm -hmm. for example, example point in case, you know, exercise is good. Yeah, but you're lucky you have lucky genes. So they say, but you can, you know, some people can get heart attacks from dying. You know, it's just the, the person is always finding the negative thing to say when you're trying to be that positive person. What do you do in, that, in those type of situations? Oh, this is good. This is a good one. Um, first of all, <laughs> are you Debbie Downer? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, of course not. Um, but um, you have to recognize there are different personality types. Um, to a certain extent, they're, they're, people are born <laughs> in certain ways, right? Think about it. Um, there are going to be certain things that we did not learn from anybody, um, but we inherited, and that's just our natural inclination. And so there are going to be people who are more disagreeable. That's just uh, that's science. We have nature and nurture, and nature is, is real. You can't, there's certain things that, you, 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 that are really, really difficult to, to overcome. They can change to a certain extent, but there's still going to be negative for depending on the personality style and what led them to that right um and so sometimes what it might need what you might need to do is you negotiate behavior as much as you can so let's say if they're 100 negative um let's use nature and nurture let's say it's approximately 50 percent. you manage through maybe therapy and and difficult conversations to get them to 50 percent negative that's a significant win but it's still having a negative impact on you. And so maybe now the negotiation becomes, how can I minimize this relationship? 
so we think about uh, uh, relationships in binary ways. Do I have this relationship or don't I have this relationship? But we should think about relationships as degrees. So you could be my best friend, you could be a friend, you can be an acquaintance, you know, you could be a Facebook friend, <laughs> those type of things. And so maybe it's not a situation where you need to get rid of the relationship. And maybe you've done a good job of adjusting the behavior as much as you can. And now maybe the next thing you need to do is, is adjust the, the degree to which you interact with the person. And right. then the negotiation becomes about the, the parameters of the relationship and how much time you spend to that, together with them and how much you interact with them. Very good. I agree with you on that one. It's like you can try your best to get them to a certain point and they're just not going to get to the point where you're comfortable. Then I guess the strategy is to slowly, you know, like create the separation that you need to be to stay in your mind, correct mindset. Exactly. Oh, very well said. Thank you. Thank you. I think we have one more. We have uh, Alicia. Oops. Alicia, you're you're on the line. Hi, yes, this has been <laughs> this has been amazing. I think you answered this a little bit when you were talking about the uh, person who was talking about her husband, but um, uh, so I have a, a a a daughter who you know she studied abroad. She was uh, living on her own, a woman on her own right, and then she comes back into a home where there's kind of boundaries and. Um, when she's used to being completely and totally a woman on her own. And so uh, uh, conflicts in terms of um, where my boundaries are, where her boundaries are, that she's now back living in my home, um, uh, come up. I, actually, I have an older daughter. I thought that I had like handled this. <laughs> I thought I could handle this <laughs> second time around. <laughs> and it was like a word. Um, so any input strategies around um, respecting people's each other's boundaries, and you know this is it's a mother daughter woman kind of scenario too. But any insight? Yeah. Um, first of all, again, just getting really super super basic with it. We have to recognize that we're we're animals, right? <laughs> we're primates, social social beings, and so if we don't use that that elevated human level of thinking then we're going to resort to that primal level of thinking and we're very territorial if somebody's encroaching on my territory then i'm going to attack or something like that right and that's when things break down when we both are resorting to our primal natures so i think first what we need to do is both of you need to do a a, a better job of setting expectations clearly setting expectations and getting clear on what it is that you want and um, i know in uh, negotiation literature uh, people often say the best way to have conversations is in person. We have to try to have conversations in person. Um, well, uh, not all the time, <laughs> because sometimes if the, the pattern of conflict is really, um, uh, it, it comes up every time when you talk in person, you find a different platform. And so for me, remember who I am and what I do. I, I, I don't necessarily love, con I love other people's conflict. That's fun. I like to fix that. <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm used to that. I'm familiar with it. And so if I have a problem, then I have the conversation. And I'm, I'm not uh, shy about that. But uh, my wife, Whitney, isn't as comfortable. So in our relationship, I've found that I've had a lot more success having the conversations via text message. And all the books would say that is a terrible approach. That is but, but yeah, you have to recognize the patterns and make the adjustments accordingly. And mm -hmm. so I, it's easier for both of us to articulate our needs and expectations that mm -hmm. way. And then we can, and then we can transition to a conversation 
subsequently. Or maybe we have the whole thing via text. But I, I found that it's less explosive when it's something that we really care about. And so... Can I just add a little bit here, Kwame? Because I, I think it's actually less explosive and now more directly. It's more... Oh, turn it off, please. Um, it's more... She'll shut down and not want to say anything. Mm, okay, good, good. So let's let's. This is a great example. And and first of all, uh, one quick thing: when you were saying something to somebody in the back, I was like, "Oh no, she's here. She knows the plan." <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> that was her. <laughs> yeah. So um. So think about. Remember, acknowledge emotion. Go back to the framework. When you think about it in terms of the framework, it becomes really simple. So what's the emotion behind that? What's leading her to say that? To 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 shut down completely. So um, listen, I, it, it seems like you don't really want to talk like right now. And it seems like you don't really want to talk right now because it doesn't feel as though I'm respecting your boundaries. Mm -hmm. Silence, right? Here's the thing about acknowledging your emotions that's magical. Two main things. The reason why it works is because in order to label an emotion, either accept it or reject it, you have to think logically about it. So you're recruiting the logical part of your brain. So if you, if you acknowledge and label an emotion for somebody, they mm -hmm. have to think logically. So that's what makes them calm down. That's the first thing. The other thing that's really magical about it is that when, even if you mislabel somebody, what's going to happen? They're mm -hmm. going to chime in and correct you. So then they label their emotions for you. You get, you get the same, in, uh, the same uh, outcome either way, whether you're right or you're wrong. So you try to acknowledge the emotion, take your best guess, whether you're right or wrong, you're in a better position. And so then, the, then your daughter might say, yeah, I feel as though you're not taking me seriously. I, I traveled the world. I, had, uh, I'm, I, I am an adult and I feel like you're treating me with, like a child. Okay, so correct me if I'm wrong. So it sounds as though you, since you've lived this life, without me you feel as though now when i'm coming when you're coming back here i'm not respecting you as an adult is that correct yes okay so what types of things do i do that make you feel that way acknowledging your emotions transitioning to getting curious with compassion and so now she's outlining for you the specific behaviors and now you can have a negotiation about what behaviors you will and will not do and same for her and so that's a good way to transition into the conversation and get somebody who's not talking talking because remember the reason why they're not talking it's an emotional issue. So we mm -hmm. have to stop there. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is good. I wish this was all on tape. I should have taped it. Oh, we are <laughs> recording this. Don't worry. <laughs> you can go back. Definitely. <laughs> Thank you. That was very, very helpful. Thank you. Uh -huh. So Kwame, I know we're actually over time, but there was one more uh, question that was actually COVID related that I wanted to just uh, sneak in here before we wrap it up. And basically, Buffy wanted to know basically how to handle strangers who, in, with regards to social distancing, who aren't wearing a mask, you know, with, you know how do I, how does she handle them without getting into a fight with them? <laughs> Great. Well, remember, Buffy is from Columbus, Ohio, and we have the Buckeyes, the best team in the land, regardless of whether we win or not. So you just hit them with a stiff arm. Just hit, <laughs> keep, keep the distance, right? So yeah, that's, that's, that's important. Again, here, remember, this is a health issue. It's not about rejecting people. It's about setting firm boundaries. You're not saying no to them. You're saying yes to health. That's the first thing. And so you focus on you and just what do you would do. And yeah, I was, I was joking about the Heisman, but 
putting your hands up is is a clear indication body language wise of of you want to maintain distance and so what i would do is just say i i the way that i would do it to make sure that they don't take it too personally and just say hey i'm i'm really sorry i am i'm just very very health conscious and so i want to make sure that i'm maintaining distance until this comes in in uh, gets under control that's it hey sorry number 1 sorry for this because <laughs> that can be a little bit abrasive so hey sorry i just i'm i am i am very health conscious it's not about you i don't think you're diseased i just <laughs> i'm very health conscious so i want to maintain my distance most likely the person is going to be like no come here come here you know most likely that's not going to be the response and so i think that's a good way to to just do it but sometimes the the action comes before the words it's easier so just starting here and then start then immediately apologizing and then bl and say it's it's me not you i think that's a, a strong way to do it and people would, would typically respect that great so going back to what setting boundaries really means right it's about personal space but not just mentally or emotionally but also physically right so that was great thank you kwame um what a great hour i can't believe how fast it went but that usually means something um but i there's something that you say and just to wrap things up that i love that if anybody hasn't gotten this from this hour conversation is that the best things in life often lie on the other side of difficult conversations and i quote kwame christian so Guys, I would love to throw it in the chat. Would love to hear, you know, your feedback on what you thought about this webinar. If you don't mind going to the, the uh, last slide, just to make sure we can show all of the resources that, that Kwame has available to us, for, for all of us. Um, I think you have to go back a little bit. Here we go. So I know we, we threw a lot at you in that hour, but he has, I'll, I'll, actually I could let you if you'd like. Would you like to um, share with the people all that you have available yeah. there? So, um, the Negotiate Anything podcast, the weekly show where we have um, guests come on and talk about negotiation tips. We also have uh, sparring sessions where I try to become the embodiment of your worst fear and the guest has to off the fly. We don't prep or anything for it. Uh, they have to try to come up with a solution for the the ridiculousness <laughs> and aggression that I'm throwing at them. So it's it's really helpful uh, to see how to handle that. So that's the podcast, and then the guides, free guides. I tell you, that's the easiest way to improve your outcomes. Just thinking it through and and actually following a systematic preparation. So if you go to the um, that website, uh, you can get those free guides, and then of course the book. Nobody will play with me. It goes into um, the journey to find confidence and conflict, and goes deeper into the framework so you can be more effective and then of course the ted talks and uh two other books winning from within er er erica ariel fox and getting to yes by roger fisher um i really love those books and yeah that's it and then the free mental health services is that just for new yorkers i need that yeah that's new yorkers but yeah i always like to throw this in there because you know there's something even more escalated going on in your life from a mental health perspective you know, this is available thanks to the First Lady of New York 24-7, whether it's a phone call, um, text message, they will even come to your home depending on what your needs, your mental health needs are. So really, really useful and it's free. So definitely want to put that out there. Um, Kwame, oh my gosh, 
thank you again. We've actually had Kwame on our podcast, Two Black Guys with Good Credit, and he just knocked it out the park. So you can also check out his episode there. Um, we are on iTunes, you know, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts, just giving a little shameless plug there. Um, and also this webinar will be available there. So we are recording these webinars and they are available. Um, you know, if you feel like there's someone that should have been here to listen to this, definitely let them know they can go to Two Black Guys with Good Credit um, on Monday to actually um, listen to the, uh, the webinar for themselves. And that way you can go back and take even more notes because uh, Kwame is just a wealth of information. We need a part two. That's all I could say. I'm so glad we need part two. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> Had a great time. I wanted to have more, even more you know, of the, the audience participation, but I think what we did today was really lay down the, the groundwork, the foundation. So the next time we get together, we can actually get you know, um, into actually practicing some of this stuff, which right. is so great. Um, but so amazing having you here. Um, definitely check, definitely get his book. Definitely check out the TED Talk and the podcast. Um, you will be blessed. Uh, just so everybody knows, uh, we'll be back right here next Thursday um, for our next installment. And then just a special shout out for the 21st. So here you have Cara Stevens. She's actually the author of Heal Your Relationship with Money. She's also the founder of the Frugal Feminista. So on the 21st, we will be looking at how to heal and empower yourself financially during COVID. So it's going to be awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So guys, have a lovely evening. We've kept you more than, um, more than the time. But uh, we hope you enjoyed it. And thank you again, Kwame, for gracing us with your expertise and knowledge. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good Take one. Care. Have a good time. Good night. Bye. Bye, Rachel. Bye. Bye, Sean. Bye, Larry. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.